0: i'm hillary i'm emily and we're the sirens today we're discussing the 1947 film miracle on 34th street in this christmas classic an old man going by the name of chris kringle is recruited by event director doris to fill in for an intoxicated santa in macy's annual thanksgiving day parade Kringle proves to be such a hit that he is soon appearing regularly at the main store in midtown Manhattan. He surprises customers and employees alike by claiming that he really is Santa Claus and focuses in particular on convincing Doris's daughter, Susan. When Kringle's claims lead to a court case to determine his mental health, Doris's neighbor and potential love interest, Fred takes on the case to prove that Kringle really is Santa. (laughs) Basically the second half of this movie is a, legal drama it turns out <laughs> <laughs> which you wouldn't guess from no. the first half
1: <laughs> like the, the second like two-thirds of this movie is a legal drama
0: i know i when i was i hadn't watched it in a little while and but i was like oh i forgot how i don't like this whole part where it's a court case <laughs> i know i know so i do have a little bit of trivia about it okay (laughs) Um, although not as much as you would think i thought this was interesting miracle on 34th street was shot on location in new york city with the actual macy's thanksgiving day parade sequences filmed live during the 1946 parade what i know i could not believe that So basically, like all those shots they had to get in a single take because it was while stuff was really happening. Whoa. And apparently it was an extremely cold day and the cameras were actually freezing like while they were using them.
1: What? Yes.
0: (laughs) Which I guess in a way makes sense because they did show a lot of the big balloons and stuff, Mm -hmm. which I guess would be hard to replicate.
1: Yeah, I guess that does. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah.
0: Although the movie is set during the Christmas season, Season, the studio head Daryl Zanuck insisted that it be released in May, arguing that people go to the movies more in warm weather. What? I don't know what that is based on. But so in the original promotions of the movie, they basically kept the Christmas setting a secret. And you'll notice if you look at like the original movie posters, that it features Maureen O'Hara and John Payne really prominently. And Edmund Gwen's character and Susan are just like in the background, which I did notice before I read this, that the posters, I was like, why is the poster just like Doris and Fred smiling at each other <laughs> when this is a Christmas movie and it's mostly about Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, my
1: case about Santa Claus is real or not.
0: Also, do you think that's true? That people mostly go to the movies in warm weather? I'm no, I don't know. Because I, I like, so. I'm of two minds about it. I thought, on the one hand, you know, before it- central air was a big mm-hmm. thing, like mm-hmm. you would go for the air conditioning. Yeah. But on the other hand, when in the warmer weather, when it's nice out, I'm less likely to want to go and sit in like a two-hour movie. Yeah, <laughs> in the dark. Or, I- yeah.
1: You know. It sort of to me it sort of revolves around like the availability of air conditioning
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean when we were kids and i think a lot of people were like this like if it was hot enough we would just be like we're going to the movies and it wasn't like we cared about seeing a specific movie it was yeah. like we it's just about the air cannot control. yeah because i lived in a house that did not have air conditioning and sometimes it was quite uncomfortable <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like the times when I've gone to the movies in the summer, it's either been very, very hot or like once we went camping and there was like a thunderstorm. So we were like, well, we'll go to the movies. So we're not oh. like sitting outside in the thunderstorm.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't I guess people don't do that as much anymore. But mm-hmm. anyhow, in the untranslated dialogue with the Dutch girl, Chris asks her what she wants for Christmas, and she says she wants nothing, and tells him she got her gift by being adopted by her new mother. I thought it was interesting that they didn't subtitle it. Yeah, I all. didn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of, like, get get what she's saying, because, like, there's the, like, you sort of see the expressions of the, like, everybody and the, like, glances mm-hmm. shared back and forth. And we've seen that woman. The woman who plays the that mother is the woman in um Ball of Fire. And... Oh,
0: was she the one who was, like, funding the research? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, I did
0: not put that together.
1: And that woman plays the woman who's funding the research in both Ball of Fire and the the remake of it. She's in both versions of it. The same role.
0: Oh, interesting. See, you have the eagle eye, Hill. I would not have noticed that. I mean, I, <laughs> I will say that because we re- recently watched The Bigamist, it was actually hard for me to not think about Edmund Gwenn's role in that when I was watching this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because even though I've seen this movie before I kept thinking because he was just I think he's a very good actor like he brought a lot of sadness to that other role in the Bigamist. Yeah. but in this he was much more like twinkly and joyful.
1: Yeah we've this movie is sort of a fun movie to end with because it, it for this year because of all the like connections with other movies that we've seen I was thinking I was thinking more about um, Maren O'Hara and how strong her accent is in this movie. I I had never noticed it before in other movies and I just thought it was like sort of like she had put it on a, like a lot thicker than her like normal accent, mm-hmm. quote unquote normal accent for the quiet man when she's actually an Irish person in Ireland but like yeah. in this movie I was like oh I'm I want to like watch more movies to see if I can like trace her accent over time.
0: Yeah, that's true. I I didn't think that much about I didn't notice it as much about her voice, but I did think about how it was such a different role than the Mm -hmm. quiet man and how she, I mean, she kind of was like a spunky person in both ones, but the other in the quiet man, she was much more fiery and this one, she was a little bit more stayed. I don't know. They are just like very different people, but I thought she did a good job with both. Yeah. So other trivia both Macy's and Gimbel's were approached by the producers for permission to be depicted in the film. And they both wanted to see the finished film before they gave approval. Huh. So they basically had to make the whole film not knowing if they would approve of it. And if either one had refused, the film would have had to be like totally re-edited and reshot. Oh. Um, but fortunately, at the test viewing, they both liked the movie and gave their permission. So... That was a big gamble. And finally, when Edmund Gwynn accepted his best supporting actor Oscar uh, for this role, he famously said, now I know there is a Santa Claus, which I thought was sweet. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so who did you bio for this movie hill
1: okay well speaking of mo- people that we've seen in um <laughs> other movies previously i bioed natalie wood who we'd seen previously in the ghost and mrs Muir a couple seasons mm-hmm. ago um and maybe some other movies so she was born natalie zakarenko in san francisco california um on july 20th 1938 she was the daughter of russian parents a few weeks before her fifth birthday, she made an uncredited film appearance, her debut, in a very brief scene in the film Happy Land. Um, and even though it was very brief, she attracted the notice of the director, Irving Pitchell, who uh, remained in contact with Wood's family for two years trying to sort of figure out other potential roles for her sort of out of the blue. After those two years, um, he called her mother and asked her to bring um, Natalie to Los Angeles for a screen test. And her mother got so excited that she basically was like, okay, we're going to LA to live forever, basically. And which (laughs) was fine because she had the screen test and she got the part and playing a. A post World War II German orphan um, opposite Orson Welles and Claudette Colbert in Tomorrow Is Forever. So that was fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, in 1947, she was in another movie directed by um, Pitchell, The Bride Wear Boots, and then went on to play Jean Tierney's daughter in The Ghost of Mrs. Muir in 1947. She's best known um, for her in her like child roles for this role that she played in Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, The film was so popular at the time that Macy's invited her to appear in the store's annual Thanksgiving Day parade. So she played a series of, um, you know, roles where she was the daughter in family films. Then she successfully transitioned into teen roles in Rebel Without a Cause. And then she had to sign a long-term contract with Warner Brothers, uh, which it seemed like she was had mixed feelings about. She continued acting as she grew older, both in TV and film roles like The Searchers and Splendor in the Grass, um, which showed her broadening range. Um, she received a ton of accolades for Splendor in the Grass. Um, and then, of course, she played Maria in West Side Story. Um, and was in Gypsy. Mm -hmm. And then at the age of 25, she received her third Academy Award nomination for Love with the Proper Stranger. Um, And that nomination made her sort of tied her with Teresa Wright to be the youngest person to score three Oscar nominations. And that record held until um, Jennifer Lawrence broke it in 2013. And then um, Shirsa Ronan broke it in 2017. Both of whom got their third nominations at the age of 23 lots of young talent yeah yeah and then she just you know continued to act throughout the 1960s and 70s she semi-retired from films um to become a parent and once she retired she appeared in only four more films but made a lot of cameo appearance appearances and and you know took on many tv roles and then unfortunately you know the other thing that she is well known for is that um in November 1981, she died under mysterious circumstances at the age of 43. Um,
0: Ew, you know. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought she was very good in this. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't like one of those like annoyingly saccharine child actor type roles mm-hmm. where there's like some irritating moppet. Like she, it was like a fairly serious role yeah and i thought she did a good job with it
1: yeah to the extent that anything in
0: this movie was serious yeah that's true (laughs) and i I also thought it was interesting so i watched the first i don't know maybe like third of this movie with leo who is six and Mm -hmm. the presence of susan really got him into the movie Hmm. And I thought the movie would be kind of boring for him. And actually, like, days later, he was like, when are we going to finish watching that movie? Like, I really want to know what happened to that girl, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, yeah, I know. I was impressed. Like, I never know with the older movies, what's going to get it. But it seems like anytime there's kids in them that he gets very drawn in. So anyway, oh, and I also wanted to this is not trivia, but I saw a reference to this movie in the New York Times the other day, because there was a story about a man who like plays Santa every year in his town. And because of like, statements he made about what was going on in Gaza, they basically like, you know, fired him from the position oh and then they were like interviewing him and stuff but they were likening it to like you know he'd been playing santa for years and it didn't and it seemed like it wasn't like anything that was offensive it was just like his opinion on something but then they like the kids were kind of like why are you going after santa like in that town (laughs) so i was like oh it is kind of just like the movies yeah
1: yeah you can't go after santa
0: (laughs) Yeah, as we all learn. I thought the one thing that I noticed watching it this time around that i never paid that much attention to before was that sort of like tiny subplot about the judge and how they were like talking about like he was trying to strategize like how do I approach this case? Because it's it was basically like a PR pro like an optics problem for yeah. someone who has to run for office.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's like the in a state where where your judges have to run for office and they're not just appointed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, well, I want to know about your history with the movie and what you thought.
1: So, I think I have seen this version before. I didn't remember it. Um, I've seen the the version that was in like the 1990s too, that starred Mara Wilson in the like Susan role. But I I didn't really remember very much about it, and I, so I was surprised that like. <laughs> He gets hired, and then there's all this stuff about him like living in like the rest home, and then he has to like live like in town and like and the like the romance and the yeah and the court case. Was like, this is this is all way more than I thought was going to be in this movie. I thought it was mostly going to be about Santa. Um,
0: yeah,
1: (laughs) but like, yeah. I wasn't like expecting that like the lawyer in this movie would be like immediately
0: won over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I think I had seen this movie like a couple times. Uh Uh-huh. And I definitely also seen the remake too, which is like slightly different. There were things I didn't remember about it until I was like watching it this time around. I feel sort of like irritated about the romance. Like that's the part that kind of annoyed me the most.
1: Or, like, the uh, lack of romance, because, like, yeah. it was, like, they met, and then, like, 10 minutes later, they're calling each other darling, and I'm like, wait a second, what happened? <laughs>
0: yeah, that, the, like, there was a lot that wasn't shown, and then I also think this is the first time I had watched this as a parent. Mm-hmm. And like seeing the access that this neighbor and Chris Kringle got to this little girl made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) For one thing, but like when Fred's like, Oh, I just thought I would take Susan to do blah blah blah, and like, well, we would come by your work. And I was like, wait, you're taking this neighbor girl on outings by yourself? And you don't really and you didn't ask her mother ahead of time. (laughs) And What is happening? And then also how like Chris kept putting her to bed and stuff. I was like, no, what is happening? And I mean, I know that's probably like a more contemporary lens, but I was just like, yeah,
1: (laughs) especially since there's like a, I don't know, Cleo is like, you know, a housekeeper nanny i don't know but like it's not like doris is like a single mother who has absolutely no support at all and this like these like extra men all of a sudden are like useful like extra men are never useful
0: (laughs) yeah i i did wonder what this like bachelor lawyer fred was doing just like hanging around with this little girl and it seemed like it was mostly just a ploy because he was interested in the mother. Yeah. But still, like, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting seeing, you know, this divorced woman in like a fairly high powered job. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. did you notice how, like, when she went into meetings with like Mr. Macy and stuff, she was the only woman only in woman. the room? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wondered, like, how did she get there? And, mm-hmm. like, I was kind of curious about her backstory. I mean, they implied that whoever she was married to was not a good person. I guess I just wanted to know more about that and, like, how she worked her way up to that role mm-hmm. and all of that. I mean, she had a very nice apartment. Yeah. Like, overlooking the Macy's Day Parade? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how you know you've got it good. Yeah. Um, but she w- she was interesting to me and I felt like the point of view of the movie was like you're too uptight and rigid and your point of view about like not indulging in fantasy is harmful. And I- it felt to me like the two main men in the movie who were Chris and Fred both thought they knew better than her like how she should raise her daughter and that annoyed me
1: yeah the like criticism of a parent by people who aren't parents it's like "Mm, i don't know
0: yeah and it also it made me realize that um the i guess it was like a 1990s movie the santa claus Mm -hmm. has a lot of parallels with this movie although it's much goofier But like the whole thing is that they're telling it's a divorced couple and they're telling their son that there is no Santa Claus when he's really young. And his ex-wife and her new husband are like therapists who think it's wrong to put lies and fantasy on kids. Hmm. And then the point of view of the movie is like, no, the thing that's wrong is like not letting kids have fantasy, which is basically what this movie was saying. It's like, not only should your child be able to participate in fantasy, but you, adult woman, also... Yes,
1: yeah. which like I guess, like if it comes with the like everyone deserves to have some fun and light and uh laughter in their lives then like sure fine i guess like if it's like i don't know if it's liberating in some way but if it's like judgmental <laughs> that's less cool
0: yeah and i also think not unlike other movies we've watched that there was a certain element of like oh this uptight woman will be like quote unquote fixed by being in love and yeah, she how needs b- how this many man. movies
1: how many movies <laughs> of the like 84 that we've seen uh, include this uh, this uptight woman will be fixed by by, uh,
0: <laughs> by the man who knows better and will take her in hand and <laughs> tell her what to think about the world yeah And how much of that is the
1: movies and how much of that is uh, real life.
0: Yeah. I want you to know that we're being joined by podcast co-host Poe the Cat. (laughs) Who um, said he disapproved of the lack of cats in this movie. It is a shame. It is. (laughs) Zero stars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the other thing that I thought was striking about this movie was that it just made me wonder about Macy's. And like the economy, the self-contained economy that was Macy's at this time, like that they had a store therapist, like everyone had to be evaluated. And, you know, there's like a full staff cafeteria, like it just seemed like a whole world that. I mean, I can't, I just can't imagine a department store now having a cafeteria and a therapist yeah. on staff.
1: No, I mean, I think that was very much, I mean, I, I don't know anything about uh, staff therapists, but like the cafeteria and some of those other like, and other infrastructure, I think was pretty standard. It makes sense. I,
0: I do remember, like we have the sort of famous Wanamaker's building in Philly mm-hmm. that was once Uh, well it was Wanamaker's and now it's it is Macy's um yeah and has this like incredible organ and like Mm -hmm. it's all that but anyway it used to be when I would go there as a kid that they had a tea room there Mm -hmm. and you could like shop and then get tea and it was all fancy and stuff but of course they don't have any of that kind of stuff anymore
1: so the so the original Marshall Field department store in Chicago has a fancy restaurant called the um the walnut room and of course Macy's bought Marshall Fields I don't know 10, 15 years ago 20 years ago now and so it's you know it's a Macy's or whatever but they still have the walnut room and we went when we were in Chicago this last time um, and they give all the kids a commemorative mug that says Marshall Fields Walnut Room, sort of as a like, yeah, Marshall Macy's thinks they bought this, but this will always be Marshall Fields Walnut Room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what do you think? I mean, like when you were growing up, did you do the whole visit Santa? No. tell No, that wasn't part of your no. childhood.
1: No, I mean, I guess I've never thought of it before, but we never really, I mean, maybe we did it a couple of times, but it wasn't like something we did every single year. True. Like now I'm like, as a parent, I'm like, it's a little bit weird to like make (laughs) kids sit on some random guy's lap.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because we have also opted out of that for our kids. I don't know why. I just thought like, I viewed it more like my kids will not enjoy this. Mm hmm. And it seems like a big hassle. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> and You know, like, who is this for? Yeah. Because like, if you see little kids, like everyone's upset and crying, and they don't want to do it. And there's big crowds and lines. And people think it's hilarious when their kids are like sobbing in the Santa picture. And I don't really like that's not cute to me. It's no, but I did. I do remember doing it when I was a kid. But I don't I wasn't scared of Santa so I don't remember it being like traumatic or anything but it was like a thing where we would get dressed up and like I'm like remember wearing fancy dresses and stuff and it was uh, like a family outing and you'd have to like think what do I want to tell Santa and so it was a it was a whole thing hmm. and apparently it's like one of the few things that's getting people into malls now because you know malls are dying and rats yeah rats <laughs> oh darn um, but they say that's like the one time of the year when people will still actually go shop in person is because they're visiting santa anyway that was a detour <laughs> i was curious <laughs> because that's such a central part of this movie is like how important it is to kids to be able to visit santa and sort of like have this joyful hopeful experience around christmas yeah all of that and it does seem like he the the chris kringle in the movie like delivers something like he does he offers something that people are looking for mm-hmm. in these like interactions with the kids and the parents yeah,
1: well, it is a little bit like. Well, I was gonna say it's refreshing, but on the other hand, it also seems like a little bit like, oh well, what white man that he mm-hmm. like faced with like difficult questions, like Susan being like, I want something that you cannot get me. like but the only way that i like i'm going to believe that you are santa claus is if you get me a house in the country and he like i appreciate that there's this moment of like where he's like oh i don't know how i'm gonna do this but then the next minute he's like i'll figure it out it's fine which seems like very (laughs) like white male
0: yeah just like the hubris of like well it's all gonna work out for me (laughs) that's right I will figure this
1: out. The obstacles will fall away.
0: Yeah, but I do wonder like how the the men who do that job. Yeah. Like, what if people do ask for something outlandish? Do you just say like, oh, sounds great, or do you say like, I don't know about that? <laughs> like, yeah. Because wasn't it, I was trying to remember, I assume that this was from like the 90s remake of this. Didn't she say she wanted a sibling in that one?
1: Um, I don't remember.
0: I feel like she's, I think this is I, I don't know, this might be like childhood memory, Emily like making something up, but i feel like I remember that she wanted the house but she also wanted a sibling and then like the ending of the movie was like sort of a wink to the fact that like by next Christmas she- there was gonna be a baby so <laughs> well listen I didn't get what I wanted because literally every year I asked for a horse and I <laughs> never got a horse I mean I, it went on for like 10 years and I, I should have learned that you that were never not gonna happen
1: yeah did you ever ask your parents for a horse or did you just ask santa
0: no i asked my parents too i did one year i got a book that was about how to care for your horse which was like oh, geez, not not great to receive without the actual horse <laughs> i did get a puppy one year that was like probably one of the best years <laughs> anyway i'm sure that i when i went to talk to santa he was like i'm a horse do you see where we live like where are you where is a horse going to go yeah i don't know
1: i guess i'm i would be i would love to just like hear like the rundown of like the most weird weirdest outlandish things that like people ask like the wannamaker santa <laughs> like, every, <laughs> every season the top the top weirdest things
0: well uh i don't know how weird this is but mike's cousin proposed to his now wife like on santa's lap what like she they went to visit santa and like she sat on santa's lap and he proposed so they must see all kinds of stuff <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, Santas.
0: Anyhow, how did you like the depiction of New York in the movie? Because it was a very New York-y type of movie. But
1: like a particular kind of city that was like maybe less overwhelming, I guess. So it was like, yeah. yes, it's a big city, but it also is just like, it's just New York. It made me it made me want to go. And it made me glad that I had just been in Chicago. It sort of like scratches the big city itch for a while.
0: I, I still haven't. I haven't been up to New York in years, so I have to go. But I do think... Like, even though the main characters were pretty well off, that the movie had, like, a number of more minor characters who seemed to be from different classes. Oh, yeah, like Alfred. Yeah, Alfred seemed to be, and they showed, like, the some of the people who were coming to visit Santa... Mm-hmm. Like that one woman in the beginning who was like, "I don't get it." <laughs> like, yeah. And then they sh- like those people they showed working in the like postal warehouse, mm-hmm. like send all these letters to Santa. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like straight out of Central Casting, but I also enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was nice that there were. It wasn't just like the fancy Doris Walker like overlooking Thirty Fourth Street or whatever. But
0: yeah, it was you know
1: like other colors of uh new york i mean not literally other colors of new york because there were still yeah. just a bunch of white people but
0: yeah that's true they really didn't they they might have had like some class diversity but there was no racial diversity evident um in the people visiting santa yeah or like working there i've been living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again do you think this is a good time to talk about the Bechdel test and whether or not this passes? Yeah,
1: I mean, I we talked a little bit, of course, about, like, um, the depiction of women. I Does it pass the Bechdel test?
0: I was wondering that because, like, if it does, well, I think it probably does because... So the mother and daughter definitely talk about some things that are not... Oh, sure. Yeah, that's right. ...relationship and like, man exclusively. And I think Doris also has some exchanges with her maid or housekeeper.
1: I do appreciate that there is a lot of dialogue between, like, mother and daughter. That it's not just, like like there's a real relationship that's really explored in some ways i mean it could have been explored more but like i do like appreciate that there's a lot of dialogue between them
0: yeah i liked that too it didn't seem like she was just there for the cuteness factor and she wasn't just like an appendage either yeah so that was nice so i would say it probably does pass and i mean this is this is like atypical of some of the movies we watch in that like if you count susan there are two fully developed female Mm -hmm. characters i mean like when i say fully i mean there's definitely more they could have gone into but they are developed female characters
1: (laughs) just as developed as any of the other characters exactly yeah
0: Uh, a rarity we all want to help one another human beings are like that We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. And what do you think, in terms of social justice, do you think it has a strong message? Well, we talked about
1: the class depictions just now. The one thing we haven't talked about is just, like, You know the fact that like there are the guy the guy who runs the like the home out on Long Island where he lives is essentially like like he doesn't think that Chris Kringle is Santa, but he is also not. Essentially, this guy's crazy, but he's harmless, and like fervently believes that he is harmless and that it's just like not hurting anybody. That like he thinks that he's Santa Claus and just like you know he's living his life. And, like, even when the, the the department store psychologist is like, he's going to break and hurt somebody. He's like, no, he's not going to. Like, it's really not. <laughs> just living his life. I guess I appreciate that depiction in this movie of just, like, a, like yeah, this guy has, some, you know, a different, like, outlook on life and, like, not hurting anybody. So, like, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, th- the mental health aspect was central to this movie. But... It did. I thought it seemed scary how they could just like someone could just be like, well, this person's crazy and they should be committed. Yes. And that could just happen against your will, you know, and in this case, he failed the test on purpose. I forgot about that. Do you think the perspective of the movie is that he was Santa Claus? Or do you think the perspective of the movie was that he was a nice man?
1: Oh, I think the perspective of the movie is that he's Santa Claus. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think so too. <laughs> but like, if if that is the case, some of it doesn't add up. Like Santa Claus living in this home—I don't know. I, I guess you're just not supposed to think about it too much. But <laughs> yeah. um,
1: well, and I guess I, we don't have enough details. If like, if there was like a line of dialogue where the doctor was like, you know, and he's there every Christmas Eve. It's not like he's like disappears for twelve hours or whatever then like, I think that would be, you know, that would be something else. So yeah. it's like information we don't have.
0: I did think it was interesting too, how at the store, they really didn't care. They didn't care that much about whether he, who he was or like, whether he was crazy or not. They were yeah. just like, he's making people happy. Let's keep him going. Although it, I did think it was very annoying how whatever that advertising campaign was, that was like, we'll tell people to go to other stores. I yeah. was like- This would not actually effectively help your store. Even if it made people think better of the store, if you don't have what they're buying, then you're losing business. Right.
1: Well, and I think the key thing is that like Mr. Macy. Like, thought he was a good asset, and so, like, it didn't really matter what anybody else
0: that's true. It was also interesting. I mean, I don't know if this is social justice or not, but like, that Fred was just like, Oh, you can just come live with me, like, strange man that I don't know, like, come live in my apartment.
1: Yeah, that he literally does not know at all. Some strange, like, and at first, I was like, Oh, he has a spare bedroom. No, no, he has. He has twin beds in the same room. That
0: oh, gosh, that was so hilarious how they were in the twin beds. <laughs> Who has twin beds in their bedroom who's, like, a bachelor?
1: I was just going to say, like, why does he have twin beds if he is literally a bachelor? Why doesn't he have, like, a double bed? I don't,
0: I don't Or just one single, single bed. <laughs> But like, he was just like, you could just come live with me rent free for a while. I guess in general, like there was a lot of generosity of spirit towards other people in this movie, all except for the therapist.
1: Yeah, nobody had any generosity of spirit for him and uh, he had none for anybody else.
0: So maybe sort of like a mild social justice message, yeah. but not not too strong. Yeah.
1: It's like the spirit of Christmas. If you know where to look for it, you'll find it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, are we ready to rate the movie? I think so. Um, Do you want to go first?
1: I think I would give the movie like a two and a half. I think like I was... Which seems, sounds really harsh coming from me, I know. I, I didn't know what to expect. I was really surprised about the whole, like, you know, all the courtroom scenes in the in the last half. And there were too many things where I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, where, where, where is this coming from? Like the romance. Even the end scene where, like, they're driving around in the country. Then they just, like, drive by this house or whatever um that is the house it just happens to be the house that Susan is you know Susan really wants to live in and whatever there's just like too many missing pieces for me I guess but on the other hand it was it did feel festive to watch I did like watching Maureen O'Hara and um Natalie Wood in particular um and it made me want to watch more movies of both of theirs so so i don't regret watching it at all but i you know it's it's i on the other hand it's not like i'm like immediately adding this to my like christmas rewatch list
0: i just remembered there we didn't talk about my absolute most favorite part about this movie which is that the u.s postal service is yes! the institution that effectively saves yes! santa claus from being <laughs> I love that they're like if we only had some formal entity that recognized him as Santa Claus, and they were like, "Oh, the
1: post office." I forgot about that.
0: um, I love that part so much because it's just like, who's a hero? The postal service. (laughs) Like it's it uh, it's just hilarious to me. I Forgot Um, about that. Yes, but so I rarely do I give a movie a higher rating than you, Hillary unless it's a musical, but I'm going to give this a three because I like enjoy the tone of the movie. I really like the whole setting with like New York and the Thanksgiving Day Parade Mm -hmm. and Macy's. And I, I really liked the depiction of santa claus like i liked edmund hmm. gwen as him yeah. i thought it was sweet and i think i did watch this some growing up and i like to revisit it from time to time but it's not in my like it's probably like top five christmas movies but it's Ooh. maybe like number five <laughs> okay but it's not like it's a wonderful life or the bishop's wife yeah the um i know the bishop's wife's so good <laughs> I was just thinking about that one because I was thinking about the Christmas movies we've done in past years, and yeah. I was like, which ones did I like? The The Bishop's Wife is just fun.
1: Christmas in Connecticut.
0: Yeah, Christmas in Connecticut. No, that's not in my top five, though.
1: Do you Although... think of the Thin Man as being a Christmas movie?
0: Not really,
1: even though they he sh- he shoots uh, Christmas ornaments.
0: That's true. <laughs> i mean i guess maybe i should recategorize
1: that i mean the, let, let's be clear the thin man is an anytime movie <laughs> that is a yeah, movie that true. i would watch uh in the middle of the summer
0: <laughs> well th- this just makes me think again about how weird it is that they didn't want to market this as a christmas movie and had it come out in may like yeah why anyhow So yeah, I would say a three. I definitely like this better than the remake too. Mm, mm -hmm, Yeah. In the nineties. So, so I would recommend, but I would also give people the caveat of like, don't be surprised when it becomes a courtroom drama. Yeah. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) so what movie will be our first watch in 2024 our first movie
1: of 2024 is royal wedding
0: yay back to the musicals
1: (laughs) can't stay away for long may it please the court i submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at
0: The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us.
1: And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks
0: for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.